Welcome to the Bread of Life Radio, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. One of the central purposes of our radio ministry is to stir up in our listeners a robust confidence in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ for everything they need. As God's people satisfy themselves in the fullness of Jesus, they present Him as attractive to all those around them. May that be your desire to make Jesus attractive by your enjoyment of Him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We've been enumerating the reasons that a life of personal holiness, godliness, Christ-likeness is important. A holy life is one that doesn't exalt your own righteousness, but that exhibits the moral majesty of God working in the surrendered follower of the Lord Jesus. We've given six reasons why personal holiness is important for the one who claims to be saved through Jesus Christ. Here are those reasons in order. One, God commands a life of holiness. Two, God saves people with the purpose to make them holy. Three, holiness is how you prove that you love the Lord Jesus. Four, holiness is the sure evidence that you are a child of God. Number five, holiness is the one good thing that you can give to the world that you live in. And number six, holiness is the only way the true child of God can find happiness. Don't put off the pursuit of holiness. God says, pursue it, for without it, no one shall see him. You want comfort? You want peace? You want joy? Don't try to get it by simply rehearsing the doctrines of eternal security in your mind. You know, once saved, always saved. I'm I'm good, I've got it, so everything's going to be fine, and I'll just live as I choose, but... You'll not find rest in an honest assurance of salvation apart from being holy. But as you yield yourself to the will of God and you receive from Him His life and His power and you go with Him in your obedience, there's joy to be had. There's tremendous happiness to be had. There's a contentment that becomes cultivated in your life that begins to grow and expand in the most difficult of places and circumstances. Hereby we know that we know Him. By the way, that's what I want to know above everything else. I want to know that I know Him. I want to know that I'm not just casting my hopes and my dreams upon shadows and upon ideas and concepts. I want something substantial. I want to know that I know Him. Hereby we know that we know Him. If we keep His commandments. Let me give you a couple cautions here as conclusion. Just lamenting your sinful nature is not a positive step into holiness. I believe that the most holy Christians exhibit a self-forgetting happiness. You want to find a holy Christian, they're not people that go around with a sour face and uh, trying to advertise how circumspect and prudish they are and everything. You'll, You'll find a person that tends to forget themselves and laughs a lot. I know that we're sinners, and I know that life will prove out the weakness of our flesh over and over again, but God has declared that through Jesus Christ we are more than conquerors. I have a friend This friend is somehow locked into this idea and the way to give testimony to your Christian life is simply to repeat over and over again the treacherous nature of your own flesh. And so as long as I've known this individual, each time I get together with him, periodically, I see him probably every year, once or twice, he's regularly lamenting and regretting his lack of prayer, his time in the Word, his selfish behavior. He has this idea that somehow this is how he expresses that he really is a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Somewhere he came upon the idea that this is what it meant to be a Christian, is to know and rule your mediocrity and your failings. But that's not even repentance. Repentance is a vigorous turning to the Lord Jesus. It's an active application of your will to take up the holiness of God as your life. And it leads you into an awareness of your flesh, yes, but it then brings you into an even greater awareness of God's power to bring you into victory and joyful obedience. It's a joyful thing. Again, here's another warning. Don't think that a holy life is only possible in optimal circumstances. I can live a holy life as long as God is just pitching to me softballs. This promise of victory is not held out to us when we're only in pleasant settings and only in pleasant and conducive experiences for giving God what He wants. It's given to us when we're in difficult experiences. Paul said this in Romans 8, 36 and 37. Listen to these words. Romans 8, 36 and 37. For your sake, speaking of God, because we're committed and surrender to you and we want to follow you and obey you, we are being killed all day long. We're being murdered all day long. We're regarded by others as sheep to be slaughtered. No, he writes, in all things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me break this down for you just quickly. Just let me outline this is what Paul's saying. Here are the facts. We're getting slaughtered every single day. We're getting murdered and killed through our experiences on a daily basis. We're facing tribulations and persecution and famine and distresses and rejection all day long. That's the facts. That's the facts. And those who are looking at us and seeing our experiences are saying that we're like sheep who are being led away helplessly to the solder as poor and pathetic creatures. Now listen. We are being killed all day long, but we're not helpless lambs being led to destruction. We're not. No, he says. No. We're victors going out in triumph. The triumph of a holy God who loves us and from whom nothing can separate us. We're not pathetic lambs subject to every negative circumstance. In the midst of these circumstances, we're joyful victors in Jesus Christ. Holiness, the life of holiness, brings to us that kind of discovery in the most difficult of situations, even when you feel like you're being killed over and over again throughout the day. That's wonderful. Really encouraging to me. I'm not getting slaughtered. I've never had a day like that. Maybe you have. But I don't have to be a lamb. Pathetically led away to slaughter. I'm a victor. I have his holiness. Can I ask you again, is that your boast? Is the life of holiness your boast? If not, why not? Has Christ failed you? Or have you withheld from him full submission of your will into his holy will? If you see that you're not experiencing the joy of holiness... There's only one thing to do. Draw near to the Lord in obedient surrender to Him. Do you know, when Israel was wandering through the wilderness, there was a sense that where God was present, that place was holy. And so the camp in Israel was considered a holy camp. So the Israelites had to live a little bit differently from the people around them. 
because they lived in this holy camp. But there was also an idea that the closer they drew to God, the more holy that place was. And so if those individuals living that holy camp were to go into the courtyard of the tabernacle where God was said to reside, there to witness the sacrifices that were being made or offering sacrifices themselves, that was even a holier place. They were required when they came to that place to even take additional steps to maintain holiness in their lives. You know, the priest who offered up the sacrifices, that courtyard, would take the sacrifice and they would take the sacrifice into the first chamber in the tabernacle where God was said to abide, and that was called the holy place. And it was considered to be even holier than the camp, holier than the courtyard. And the priest had to do other things to maintain a level of purity and holiness so that they could go into that holy place. But once a year, the high priest would be able to go through the veil from the holy place into the most holy place before the Ark of the Covenant where God in His holy presence was said to abide within the camp. That was the most holy place. Do you see that? A holy camp, a holy court, a holy place, the most holy place where God's presence is. Where are you residing? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, His body became the object of our sin, the thing that separated us from God. The Bible said His body became like the veil representing our sin, which had kept us from coming into the most holy place before God. But when Jesus died, as He gave His body for us, and He took sin upon Himself, that that veil was torn in two. And through Him, through His flesh, and through His suffering for us, it says that we may go with Him into the most holy place with boldness and confidence. You can read it in Hebrews chapter 10. I have a question for you. Where are you in your Christian life? Are you even in the camp? Have you decided, I'm in the camp, but I'm kind of the outer edges of the camp. I like to show up at church every once in a while, like to sing a couple worship songs, enjoy myself, like to read my Bible when I have time for a few minutes every once Are you in the camp? Or maybe you've pressed in and you've gone to the courtyard where you've seen the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sins. And you want to live at the cross. And you thank Him and praise Him for what He's done for you and your worship rises there. Or maybe knowing that He's died for your sins, you felt empowered to press into the holy place where not only you rejoice in what He's done for you, but you seek to serve and live for others and to express His holiness and His life for others and intercede for them in the holy place. Or maybe in complete and utter surrender, you've pressed your way into the most holy place. We're in His holy presence. You ask Him to burn away everything of self and sin so that only He resides with you there, you abiding with Him, Him abiding with you. So you can see Him face to face. So your great purpose in doing what is right is not just to do what's right. It's to know Him and enjoy Him. Find the great happiness and joy of His holiness. Where are you? Let me just suggest that before the fire of a holy God, you move into that most holy place before Him. O fire of God, begin within me. Burn out the dross of self and sin. Burn off my fetters and set me free and make my soul a heaven within, O God. The joy of being before you, the God of all creation, 
letting your fire burn in me, burn out from me the glory of your majesty. Where are you? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. It was for this that you died, dear Jesus. It was for this that the precious blood of Jesus was measured out, counted as what was required for our sins, counted as what we needed for a new life, pulsating with His life in us. Your blood, your life, your presence, your holiness. Dear Jesus, forgive us for every calculation of your grace that we have construed in self and an unrepentant heart for our own advantage and to claim our own way. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. May we be holy, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, don't push away the probing of the Holy Spirit. It's the convicting work of the Spirit that brings a person to confession, repentance, and saving faith, and that same Spirit remains to make us more like Jesus, our Holy Savior. If we can be of help to you, reach out to us at betoflifeboise.org. There you'll also find a link to the radio archives of our broadcast and also links of full-length sermons delivered at the Bread of Life Fellowship Church. There, too, you can learn about the work of church partnership evangelism and equipping evangelists around the world, and you can see how you can support that work through your tax-deductible donations. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.